Bible tonight, 1 Samuel chapter number 30, 1 Samuel chapter number 30, and when we come here in this passage of scripture, 1 Samuel chapter number 30, we come to a place in David's life where the great transition is going to take place. For 10 years, he's been running for his life because Saul's out to get him, and he's had some ups, he's had some downs, and quite frankly, when we look in the previous last couple chapters, we see David has made uh, kind of a... A silly move. He's moved into Philistine territory. He's made a uh, pact with uh, the king of Gath. The king of Gath has given David and his mighty men and their families a place called Ziklag to stay and live, a home of their own. David's been playing the king of Ziklag. His name is Achish, playing him like a drum, playing him like a, uh, a violin. He's just been tricking him and supplanting him. And uh, David really is out of God's will in the location, but God is using him in spite of David. Aren't you glad that God will use us in spite of us? I'll tell you, if I had to wait to get right and get perfect before God ever did anything with me, I'd never happen. Uh, But I need to continually seek to be right and thoroughly right with God, and we trust the Lord. And David here, we find him in chapter number 30. He has... uh, Uh, been able to work his way out of going to fight against the Israelites with the Philistines. You remember that little story? He put himself in a real spot. He'd been lying to Achish for uh, on and on about all the conquering that he'd been doing. He'd been telling Achish that he was defeating uh, the Jewish armies. But all the while, David was making these campaigns against the enemies of God that, uh, that the judges had left open. And that had not, uh, had not, the Israelites during the book of Judges, the time of the judges, had not defeated utterly. He was doing God's work behind the scenes and telling Achish, the king, that he was uh, defeating the armies of Israel, the armies of Saul. And so Achish calls him up. I don't know if you, well, I'm going to put you on, try to get you back in on the right spot. Achish calls up David and says, come fight with us against Saul and his armies. Uh-oh, what are we going to do now? And uh, the Lord intervenes and the Lord protects David and his mighty men. The other lords of the Philistines say, we can't let him fight with us. He may turn against us. And they were wise for saying so and Achish was a fool. But David gets out of that. And David and his mighty men, as soon as the sun, as soon as the sun rises that day, they make their way from the presence of Achish the king in Gath back to Ziklag, their Philistine headquarters. And when they get there, they find a great tragedy. The Amalekites, the enemies of God, another group of people that should have been utterly destroyed but were not, have raised up and they have literally kidnapped all the women and children and boys all the families of David and his mighty men. And that's where we come in our reading, our story tonight. First Samuel chapter number 30, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, It came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag, on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them all, carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. 
Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook of Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and four hundred men, for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. And they found an Egyptian in the field. And brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat. And they made him drink water and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah and upon the south of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds, which they drave before those other cattle, and said, This is David's spoil. And David came to the two hundred men, which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook of Besor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. Then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial, of those that went with David, and said, Because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered, save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Then said David, Ye shall not do so, my brethren. With that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand? For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, 
so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. And when David came to Ziklag, he sent of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, Behold, a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. And we'll stop reading there. And we come to the story, and what a sweet story. What a, what a fascinating thing. And I've prayed and asked the Lord to give me a title for this message, and I think this is where we'll land. I've come up with about 50, but I want to just preach it like this, I believe. David behaves himself like God's king. David behaves himself like God's king. We meet David from time to time in his life story, and we'll continue to see moments when David is not behaving like a king. But on this account, and on this day, David got it right, and David behaves himself like, like God's king. Folks, I want you to understand something. God has called you to be a priest and a king before him. God has called you to do a specific work, a work of great importance. And I wonder if you're using the opportunities that God has afforded you and acting like God's child and the person that God has saved you to be. And We learn from David in this story, in these events, that David on this day behaves himself like God's king and it is actually one of the last events that we see in the life of David before he becomes the king of Israel, the rightful king of Israel. We're watching this in the life of David. The story is fun to to read and see and I want to tell it to you and then we'll take our message. Uh, David behaves himself like God's king. David leads his men away from the Philistines and back to Ziklag and as they're coming across the horizon into Ziklag, can you imagine this for a minute? They're coming across the horizon in Ziklag there's an unusual looking fire. No doubt every man in the camp must have felt like their wife was burning supper or something along those lines. But the truth is, as they come across the precipice and begin to see and tell what's going on in Ziklag it becomes very evident that there's been great trouble in their town, in their city in their place The Amalekites have come and they've burnt the city. As they come into the city, they don't know the exact condition of what's going on and what has happened. But they know that all their wives and children and belongings are gone and what is not stolen has been burnt to the ground. The Bible says that these men weep until they could weep no more. They have no power to weep. He gets tense and tough and... David's mighty men are so weak and emotional that they decide the best thing to do is to stone David. Uh Uh-oh. They overreact to the situation. They decide to stone David. And what does David do? David does something very important. David encourages himself in the Lord. David encourages himself in the Lord. David goes to the Lord. David calls the priest. David turns to the Lord. And he asks God, God, what should I do? Should I pursue after the Amalekites? And God says, you pursue after them and you will recover all. You'll recover all. I think at that moment, God told David that everything's going to be okay. Your wives and your children... Your men's wives and children, your belongings are safe and sound in my care. You pursue the Amalekites and you'll recover all. So they make their trip. Now this is an interesting turn in the story. All they know is that 
some enemy, I'm sure at this time they've assumed and began to uh, assume and put together the pieces that perhaps it was the Amalekites, but there's no evidence in the text that David and his men know who it was that ransacked their town. They don't know the condition or the state of their families or their things, but they know and God has told David to pursue and you'll recover everything. And so they get up and they go. But the big question is, when you turn out of Ziklag, which way do you go? They didn't really know. They didn't know what direction to go. And I can't help but believe and know that God led David and God just did the best he could with the information he had and turned in a specific direction and started that way. And the Bible says something very fascinating and it's just kind of random. It jumps off the page in verse number 11. The Bible says they found an Egyptian in the field. (laughs) Who'd ever thought as you begin to pursue the enemy that an Egyptian in a field nearly dead would be God's gift to you in the direction that you needed to be able to get victory over the Malachites and get your families back. But God sent an Egyptian in the field. When they come to him, he's so dehydrated and so sickly that he can't even speak. He doesn't have his mind about him. They get the Egyptian, they feed him, give him water to drink, and in a little time, his spirit revives to him. He comes back to uh, life, so to say, and he begins to share with them. They say, who you are? Who, who you are? Who are you? Where are you from? And he says, I'm a young Egyptian. I'm a servant to my master, the Amalekite. And they said, tell us more. Tell us what you've been doing. And this man spills the beans. He gives him all the intel that David and his mighty men need to know where the Amalekites have gone And God sends an Egyptian in the field. (laughs) David and his men pursue the Amalekites. They find them. They defeat them with a great victory. They utterly destroy all of them except for 400 Amalekite young men who escape on camels. They recover all, the Bible says. They recover all, the Bible says again. All the women, all the children... Now, I want to remember one little situation. When David and his mighty men pull out of Ziklag, these men have been tormented because of the grief. Remember, they cried till they couldn't cry no more. They weep till they couldn't weep anymore. They were so weak. Well, the 600 men began to make their journey before they even find the Egyptian. And when they get to the stream of Bezor, 200 of the men don't have enough strength to even get across the water. And David says, y'all just stay here. You stay by the stuff. You stay here. So now they've gone, 400. They've gone, they've defeated, they've conquered. They're bringing back all the spoils, their own stuff, and the stuff also the Amalekites had stolen from other folks. They bring them back with their herds and their wives, and their children, and their family, every bit of it. They make their way back across the water of Bezor into the town of Ziklag. And when they get there, there is a few of these mighty men who the Bible says are sons of Belial. They're not very nice. And these guys look at the 200 men that didn't have enough strength to cross the water. They said, I'll tell you what you're going to get. You ain't getting nothing. 
You can have your wife and kids back, but you're not getting any of the spoils because you didn't even go with us. And David said, "Uh uh-uh, whoa, baby. I think he said it just like that. (laughs) David says, whoa, that's not how it's going, boys. These men have stayed by the stuff. And they get an equal portion just like you do. We're not going to act like that. The spoils are distributed. And then David concludes this passage of Scripture by sending gifts to all the towns through his last ten years of wandering to the towns of the peoples who had protected him and his mighty men. And chapter 30 comes to a conclusion. Tonight's message, David behaves himself like God's king. And you know, we should too. Here's four simple things I want to share you with. Share with you. Well, I must have a little bit of Lex Dixia tonight because I'm switching words around. Have y'all ever suffered from Lex Dixia? It's awful, isn't it? <laughs> uh, number one, he encouraged himself in the Lord. David behaved himself like a king. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Look with me in the text, beginning in verse uh, number one. It came to pass, I'm sorry, in verse one. It came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. They had taken the women captives. There were uh, with that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. David and his men came to the city, verse 3, and behold, it was burned with fire, and the wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Verse 5 is most important. And 6. And David's two wives were taken captives behind them. The Jezreelites, Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. In verse 6, and David was greatly distressed. Why? He was distressed because his wife and kids were gone, one. But more importantly and more urgent, he says, he was distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. Now, David finds himself in a spot that a lot of people find themselves in. If you're in any type of place of leadership or authority, it's easy to find yourself in this situation where someone is grieved about something unrelated, but they take it out on you. How many of you have ever been in that situation? It happens. It happens in families. It happens at work. It happens in churches. It happens everywhere we go where there's a human nature involved, and that's pretty much everywhere. And David does something very wise. He behaves himself like a king. Let me tell you, you're going to drive yourself bananas if you respond to every type of emotional whim that the people around you have. If you react and respond in kind to every foolish response that other people have in regards to the things in your life, you are going to go nuts. We can't do that. David teaches us a valuable lesson. When his mighty men are grieved because of their wives and children, and rightfully so, and wore out from the weeping, and they decide we should stone David, David doesn't say, I'll show you. Starts throwing stones first. Uh uh. 
David does what's right. David behaves himself like a king. And I want, to un- I want to be the kind of Christian person that does not respond in kind to my enemy, that does not respond in kind to the people who overreact or say things that are silly and they'll regret in time. I want to be the kind of guy that acts like God's king. You know what David did? Instead of picking up a stone and saying, I'll hit you in the nose first. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, that's so invaluable. That's so important that we learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Have you tried it? Oh, if you'll give the Lord a chance to encourage you, he will. Take some time and read God's word. Pray. Listen to good Bible preaching. Let God encourage you in himself. That's the nature of of a lot of what David did all through his life. He was constantly and consistently encouraging himself in the Lord. He was reminding himself that God knew his path. He was reminding himself that God could provide for him. He was reminding himself over and over again that God heard and answered his prayers. That's a repetition of this morning's message. But God was, David was encouraging himself in the Lord and the faithfulness of God. And it's something we should learn to do. Instead of acting out like every foolish person in the world, we should act like the kings that God has saved us to be and encourage ourselves in the Lord and do things right. Hey, before you respond and react sinfully over something that happens in your home, you encourage yourself in the Lord first and you'll make wise decisions. Before you react to the words of your husband or your wife or the words of your children sinfully, stop a minute and encourage yourself in the Lord. And you know what you're going to do? You'll start acting and behaving like the king God saved you to be. David behaved himself wisely. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Number one, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Number two, number two, David trusted in God's unique provision. God, David trusted in God's unique provision. Now, we talk about this often because it comes up so regularly in the Scripture. But the, if we're honest, we don't know what lies ahead. We don't know all the ins and outs and details of the future that God has in store for us. And that's okay. If we knew the future, we couldn't handle it. But we know God is guiding us and leading us. And you know what David had learned a long time ago to trust in? If you go and fight a giant, God will already have the stones there. If you go and fight an army, God will have the weather prepared. And in this instance, God, like he always does, uses some unique, unusual means to provide exactly what David and his mighty men needed. The Bible says it like this, they found an Egyptian in the field. (laughs) I love that phrase. Because how many times in my short Christian life, to God be the glory... Have I just been plugging along, not knowing what's going to happen or how it's going to happen, knowing that i got to go that direction, but I don't know exactly what I'm getting into, along the way that God has left an Egyptian in the field just for me. I mean, it looks weird. It sounds weird. It's unbelievable. But God's provision all along life's way is unique and special. And you know what we can do? Instead of being so afraid that we're not going to have what we need when we determine to serve God with our lives, we can act like the king that God has called us to be. And we can expect that all along life's way, God's going to leave Egyptians in the field just for us. 
I can't tell you what your Egyptians going to look like. But I can tell you this. If you'll keep trusting the Lord, if you'll keep moving forward in faith, believing, doing the right thing, serving God with your life, all along life's way, God is going to leave unique, special, creative things that help you accomplish His will for your life. You know what's the saddest thing to me? There are so many people, so many Christians who live defeated lives who will not step out on faith and trust the Lord because they can't identify the Egyptian in the field yet. If you'll just keep living for Jesus day by day, putting one foot in front of the other, doing what's right, trusting the Lord, living by faith, you know what you're going to find? God is going to uniquely, specifically, lovingly meet your need. You just keep on pressing. You just keep on walking. You just keep on serving. You just keep on trusting because God's going to meet your need. And David did what a faithful king the Most High God should do. He turned toward the Lord and just kept on going and anticipated and knew that all along the way, God would meet his needs. Oh, man, I get excited to think about that Egyptian in the field. I'm praising the Lord in my heart right now for so many times that I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I knew God somehow would, and the Egyptian showed up in the field. (laughs) And he does that for all of his children. If you'll live for Christ, you'll find out that he meets your needs in awesome ways. And David, he just said, all right, Lord, you told us that we would indeed recover all, that I need to pursue the Amalekites. I don't even know who the Amalekites are. He just goes toward the will of God, and there he is, the Egyptian in the field. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Number two, he trusted in God's unique provision. Number three, he believed God's promise. He believed God's promise. Verse number seven and eight, will you look at it with me? David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David, and David inquired at the Lord. David did the right thing. He inquired with the Lord as to what he should do. He turned to the priest, and the priest helped him. And they turned to the Lord, and he says to the Lord, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. God said, Go. David went. David believed the promises of God. It was the thing that helped him step out on faith that led him to the Egyptian in the field. I left it to the third point because the Bible gives the answer to the promise. It always gives the answer to the promise. If God makes a promise, you can guarantee it's coming true. If it hasn't come to pass yet, it will. It just so happens that it comes to pass in this chapter. And we can read of it and see it ourselves. Verse number 17 The Bible says, David smote them from the twilight, even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men, which rode upon camels and fled. Verse 18, and David recovered all. What did God promise to happen? You'll recover all. What did David get? David recovered all. 
that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. What happened? God said you're going to recover all. What did they do? They recovered all. Folks, David believed God's promise. You're here today and you know you're saved. But you let worry and fret and fear rule in your heart. Oh, believe God's promises. Trust in Him. You see, David could never be the king of Israel faithfully like he should be. Was he not believing that God would do everything he said he would do? And you can't be the Christian that God saved you to be unless you believe that God saved your soul. How many of you know for sure if you were to die today, you'd spend eternity in heaven? Would you say amen? amen? Isn't it great? It's wonderful to know that if we die, we're going to be saved from the penalty of sin because we've been saved. If you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that you're saved, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you can ask him to forgive your sins and you can trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. You can be saved. I pray you get saved tonight. But there was a resounding amen across the room. And I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to believe that God is able when you breathe your last breath on earth to take your soul and your spirit and all that is eternal about you into his presence in heaven forever? Do you believe that to be true? Amen. What blows my mind is we're believing that God can take us to heaven, but we don't believe that God can meet our needs next month. And we don't believe that God can give us victory in the relationships of our lives. And we don't believe that God can give us the power to forgive. We don't believe that God can help us in menial, small, insignificant tasks and things. Hey, look, we need to learn to trust the promises of God. They're all true. And David behaved himself like God's king when he believed God's promises. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He trusted in God's unique provision. He believed God's promise. And finally, number four, he stayed humble and kind. He stayed humble and kind. As I was refreshed again on this story, and reminded again of David's response, I kind of like, in the right way, puffed my chest out and said, David, that's our key. Because the way he responded. I want to read it to you. The Bible says in verse 21, David came to the 200 men. These guys were weak. No doubt there was a group of guys that looked down their nose like those big wimps. What'd you do? Cry yourself sick and couldn't go fight for God? 200 men which were so faint that they could not follow David whom they had made also to abide at the brook, Beser. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. Verse 22, Then answered all the wicked men and the men of Belial, of those that went with David, and said, Because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered. Save to every man his wife and his children, and they may lead them away and depart. 
Verse 23, Then said David, Ye shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us. I started the title of this message at one point as I was studying. I love that phrase. David looked those sons of Belial, those jerks. They actually thought somehow that it was their might that gave them victory over the Amalekites. You've got to remember something. If you have any good victory in this world, you've got it because of the grace and strength and power of God. Don't you ever get proud because the moment you do, pride comes before fall. David says, Ye shall not do so with that which the Lord hath given us. Hmm. How are you using that which the Lord has given you? The Lord may have given you extra measure of strength and health, and you look down your nose at the people who don't have what God's given you. We're not going to use what God's given us that way. You may think, oh my, we've done really good. We're very disciplined, and those people are not. We look down our noses. We're not going to use what God has given us that way. David said, uh-uh, boys. We're not doing it that way. We're not going to be guilty of doing with what God has given us like that. The Bible says in verse 24, who will hearken unto you in this matter? He says, nobody's going to listen to you. But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. He says, let me tell you, we're going to treat the 200 men that stayed by the stuff the same way you get treated. There's no room for this trash in my kingdom. What did he do? He was humble and he was kind. He was humble and he was kind. Boy, it's so easy to get judgmental and think how much better you are than other people and just smack people around and belittle them. But that's not the spirit of the Christian. That's not the spirit of the child of God. We're not going to act that way. I'm like, that's my king. And I'm reminded I need to act the same way. He stayed humble and kind. One more thing that David does before this chapter comes to a conclusion. Look at verse 31. The Bible says, And them which were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were wont to haunt. You see that? I like to say want to haunt. <laughs> all that means is, this list of people from verse number 27 down to verse number 31, this list of towns and this list of, of communities, this list of people that David took of the spoil from the Amalekites and distributed and gave gifts and gave blessings to, these were all the people that along David's 10 years of wandering, those were the people who showed him kindness. Those were the people who had protected them and fed them and blessed them. And David does what a grateful heart God's king should do. He's humble and kind. He's grateful and thankful. And he sends little blessings along the way saying, Thank you for helping me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for helping me get to, get me to, the, get to the place where I am right now. Folks, none of us get where we are by ourselves. 
Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Hey, we learned a little something from David tonight. He behaved himself like God's king. He stayed humble and kind. There's a verse in the scriptures. It's kind of fascinating that Brad's sister's here tonight because before the service, I was thinking so much of David Childers. And the reason I was saying of David Childers, David was a West Virginia boy who was killed in that same car accident in the Crown College Quartet. The year before, I traveled with David, and he'd give his testimony. He always shared a verse of scripture. It was his life verse. Psalm 37, 5, it says this. David wrote it, by the way. It says, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Look, we should yearn for God's will for our lives. And if we'll trust in him and believe him and behave ourselves like a king, like a saved person, like a Christian, that God has designed something great for our lives, if we'll live like a Christian, trust the Lord, guess what? He'll bring it to pass. He's faithful like that. We can trust him.